Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Virtually Legal. We are so excited to have you here. That is hopefully means there's other people listening to this and we're <laughs> not just recording it for our own benefits. Um, today we are going to be talking about working as an in-house lawyer and speaking to us today is Tom Haynes from Jaguar Land Rover. So I actually was introduced to Tom. He came and did a presentation at Birmingham about what it was like to work at Jaguar Land Rover and I reached out to him on LinkedIn after that and then we just kind of stayed in contact and I messaged him a couple of weeks ago and said, would you like to get involved with the podcast? And here we are. <laughs> um, so Tom, if Who you would say no. Like, yeah, if you would like to um, introduce yourself a little bit, talk about some of the work you've done at Jaguar Land Rover, maybe how you came to get there, and we'll go from there. Yes, thank, thanks very much, Molly. Well, I'd just uh, like to start by saying, both of you, Abby and Molly, thank you for having me onto your podcast. I have heard a, a number of shows, and uh, they've been fantastic, great resource, um, definitely for students and, and graduates alike. So so thank you for thinking of me. It's very kind of you. Um, so so touching. <laughs> well, no, no problem, no problem. I rehearsed that at least twice. So, um, so, um, so yeah, in-house employment solicitor at uh, Jaguar Land Rover, um, and I've been at Jaguar Land Rover now for about approaching seven years. Um, and as with any uh, kind of in-house uh, career story, um, it uh, didn't really start in any kind of. Um, sensible fashion at all. Um, it wasn't my intention to end up in-house, but I have found myself there. So the kind of path that I took wasn't wasn't a conventional one, but it might um, help some of your listeners um, and fill them with hope that they might, might get there one day and get that training contract. So I initially um, started off a degree in sports and exercise science. Um, please do not laugh, but, uh, <laughs> but that was the... Uh, that was the case. Um, I have to say, um, I enjoyed three years of sports and exercise science at, at the University of Birmingham, but it is not the best um, kind of pathway degree into law. So I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that's listening. No, a bit of an alternative route, that one, actually. A little bit, yes. I haven't um, come across anybody else that has uh, taken that route. So yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it uh, as a starting point. And then um, I decided I need to retrain. Uh, went back to the University uh, of Birmingham to do the GDL, the conversion course, um, and that was a very intense year, I have to say. Um, and then that was followed up by the LPC, which I did the University of Law. And I know that uh, Molly, obviously, you're you're uh, doing that shortly or in the in the process. I know. Of don't doing tell that. me that's really intense because I'm really nervous it, about that actually. <laughs> well, I would. I should say it, it's better than the GDL. So take from that what you will. But um, it is. Uh, <laughs> It is better than the GDL. So, um, so yeah. So, and then the from GDL there, just sounds like a law degree, but without all of the fun group projects and all in-house stories. Everybody I've spoken to has ended up in-house. They had never in any intention of going there, um, and we might touch upon why that is later on. But um, it just so happened that my uh, tutor um, at the University of Law at the time, a, a chap called Paul McConnell, who I believe uh, Molly, uh, what both oh. of them, oh, Paul was. Yeah, we love Paul. We love Paul. That was like a little shout out to Paul there. Yeah, Thanks, Paul. I do. We appreciate it. <laughs> we love Paul. Um, so Paul was um, my my knight in shining armour and uh, managed to network a bit and, and found uh, an IP paralegal role over at uh, Jaguar Land Rover, which I applied for um, and managed to get there and um, paralegaled for a few years before doing a training contract in-house. Um, 
and then qualified into employment and I, I find myself where I am basically so that was a very potted history but it's um, as I say it's not a conventional route. Perfect so I think we're just going to dive right into it really I think one thing that our listeners would be most interested to hear about is what is what are some of the main differences between working in-house versus working as a solicitor in a commercial law firm like how does your day-to-day kind of differ I mean obviously one of the biggest things that sets it apart is you only have one client and that is the company you work for but is is like is the training much different um responsibility pressure there isn't that much information out there as to what you would do from a from an in-house perspective and how things may differ um, some of the more obvious ones that I, I, I suppose I wanted to share with you was clearly there's no time recording, which is fantastic. And um, oh, I didn't I, even think about that. Exactly. It's a very it's a very basic one. But, you know, your, your standard um, pri- private practice solicitor would have to make a cup of tea and then figure out how they time record for that. I could make <laughs> a cup of, cup of tea. I could take five minutes. I could take seven minutes. I could do what I want. Um, but uh, but that is that is one of the most more obvious things. But you know something to bear in mind. A little perk, shall we say? Of I'm really in-house. not looking forward to having my day broken down into like seven minute time recording slots. Well, I, yeah, I don't even know that how you would do honestly that. Honestly, clock watching to the max. <laughs> I couldn't even begin. I know lots of people um, do it retrospectively, get to the end of the day and try and piece it together. If I tried to put one of my days into some kind of time recording format, I'd probably spend the next four hours trying to figure out what I did. So um, <laughs> that's because I was doing lots of work, by the way, just to clarify that point. Um, so so that's, that's one of the more obvious things, I suppose. One of the things that has kind of become apparent to me about the, the differences, which I wasn't aware of, and I don't know whether, whether as a law students or grads you would be aware of, is if you work in private practice, you, your role over time can kind of morph from a lawyer to a kind of lawyer slash salesman almost in the sense that not not you having to win business you know as a partner in a law firm part of your job is to win business is to network from an in-house perspective you don't need to do that because you have a client base there you know from my perspective you're em- I, employed by the client it, exactly so yeah. I'm not having to convince them to that you know to <laughs> please, give me the please business. keep coming back. <laughs> I, I certain, that's certainly not the case. No, so you know, and that's not something that necessarily appeals to me. Not that I, you know, I enjoy networking and I, I enjoy, um, you know, I appreciate that you've obviously invited me onto onto your podcast today and things like this. I enjoy that, but I, I wouldn't, um, you know, forced networking or, or salesmanship or whatever you want to call it is something that doesn't really appeal to me and something I didn't consider. Um, as a law student that I would necessarily have to do as I progressed through my career so that's I mean you wouldn't because it's I feel like when you're a law student you're so focused on getting a training contract and therefore you're only really ever focused on the next like three to four years and yeah what about afterwards yeah you don't really actually think how your role might change when you get up to senior associate partner level Mm. Uh, element I suppose that um, this is quite obvious and this is the thing that people pick up on as an in-house lawyer is the um commercial element in that I know you've you've obviously run a very um successful commercial awareness course uh or not course but competition um which I read the the winning article and that was very good but what you do get from an in-house perspective is insight into the commercial world that you would just never never get um and what I quite enjoy actually is your um I know this sounds horrendously cliched so please bear with me and don't fall off your seats but the um you make decisions and you provide legal advice 
and you can actually see the impact of that legal advice, which if you were in a private practice setting, you wouldn't see the commercial impact of that legal advice following through. Um, mm. And what that's allowed me to do over time is add value into discussions that I have with internal clients um, by providing almost legal advice, but quasi-legal advice so that I'm adding value to the commercial conversation as well. Um, and that's something that I enjoy. And I find actually, whether you want to work in-house or whether you don't, more uh, private practice firms want their junior lawyers, want their paralegals, want their trainees to get experience in-house because then you understand some of the pains that, that the businesses, your clients, ultimately your clients actually um, have. I, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying how as an in-house lawyer you can almost your advice can almost be a bit more risky because you know exactly like I don't know somewhere like Google has come to you and said this is what we want to do so you need to make sure you can do that and obviously there's so many different reasons why there could be like A to Z reasons why this might not happen but realistically you know that the chances of Z happening is very small so you can also give more sort of um pinpointed advice because I don't know I was talking to someone are they saying how as if you work as like a big magic law firm you always have that slight issue of obviously you don't want to be sued whereas (laughs) whereas obviously you're working for your client and ideally they don't want to like sue themselves yeah, I see what you mean. I would I would never admit, particularly on a podcast, that any of my advice is risky. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, but I I know I, I take what you mean. And what what I was actually going to go on to say was that what I've discovered over time is the correct legal advice isn't necessarily the correct advice that you would give in house. Um, the two things are very different. Um, and you know it may be that legally speaking the option A is the best option but from an in-house perspective once you've considered the commercials option B or C is actually more appealing in in the grand scheme of things Um, and that's I think particularly what firms want their junior lawyers whether you work in private practice or in-house to get out of it to understand that actually option A although legally speaking that seems completely sound you you need to consider other elements to, to your advice and add value there so you actually um you trained at Jaguar Land Rover as well, didn't you? Yes. yes. How did how I mean obviously you only train in one place, so it's hard for you to make direct comparisons, but how do you think that training perhaps differs from training at a at a law firm? Like are there like regular or annual recruitment rounds? How do you choose seats, things like that? Are you working like are there loads of other trainees there at the time? How does it work? Yeah, so, and this this is the thing about, and part of the reason I want to do the uh, the podcast with you is there isn't a great deal of information out there about in-house opportunities. Um, you know, from a private practice perspective, from a trainee point of view, there's intakes every year, there's lots of marketing, you know exactly what forms you need to fill out and what type, you know, they even advertise the deadline, the national deadline for these things, uh, which obviously makes everybody very anxious. Uh, but from an in-house perspective, um, there isn't that structure and the main reason that there isn't that structure is because the companies that are hiring these individuals it's not their focus you know we build cars other other companies are building products they're not really bothered by legal services necessarily and therefore there isn't that that structure um so i could talk to kind of my experience from it but what i would say is 
I wouldn't expect any other in-house lawyer that's qualified or is going to qualify in-house to to have a, a similar experience. It would really be down to the resources of the company involved and also the um, you, you know what they what they have on offer at their particular um, company. Yeah, so, it's on like much more of an ad hoc basis. Exactly. Like yeah. As and when they need it, kind yeah, of. Yeah, as right. and when the gaps sort of open up. Yeah, yeah, that that makes. So, how would you um, suggest to a trainee who might think, okay, um, perhaps working in house sounds really appealing. Um, we'll get onto some of the benefits later. Um, but how would you recommend that they reach out for these opportunities? Is it just a case of dropping emails and hoping that there's gaps to fill? Um, yeah, I think I've said this um, when when we first met Molly. Uh, you you don't get it unless you ask. So you need to be that you need is to be literally my saying for life. <laughs> indeed, and I wouldn't be on this podcast unless you asked me. So you know it, it does stand true, doesn't it? But um, you need to. There isn't any formal processes like nationally. Companies do have kind of recruitment. Um, uh, recruitment processes available for legal grads and what have you but very few do so what i would recommend if anybody were interested is trying to clearly get in for a placement if they can into the particular firm as you would with a vac scheme but again there's no necessary formal process to do that so just make contact ask a question it may be that the your university uh, might have connections things like that what we talked about in other episodes about networking because of this informality it's really up to you about how far and how hard you try and maybe if there wasn't a work experience placement if they liked you enough maybe they could create one yeah I completely agree and you, but the thing is you will never know if you're sat there looking at LinkedIn looking at my profile why you'd be looking at my profile I have no idea but um, <laughs> hopefully lots at, of people will after this yeah hopefully uh, but you know I, I do try and if I get a message from anybody I've I've spoken to individuals about you know working in-house and sharing any information that I I can and I'm allowed to basically um, and so but you will never know whether that person can help you in any way unless you ask the question so so you've also um, done a secondment actually to Mills and Reeves. So you do have an idea of what it's like to work in a commercial law firm versus working in-house. Do you find generally, how does things like the pressure that you're working under and the hours and stuff like that compare? Yeah, um, it's a very good question, actually. I, 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 so I did do, um, Mills and Reeves very kindly allowed me to go and do some um, secondment seats with them which was very interesting because I hadn't had any private practice experience uh, before that that was part of my my training contract um, there is a little bit of a, a misconception that maybe you do less hours uh, one place or another it's really demand driven it really depends on what area of law that you, you're focusing what what I would say is you do have a lot more flexibility in-house particularly as a junior lawyer to be able to um, generally speaking to manage your workload um that's that's from my experience of speaking to some other in-house um in-house lawyers uh, that i know that 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 is the general you you're kind of given a workload and expected to manage it yourself whereas potentially in a private practice setting you are the workload is given to you and deadlines are given to you rather than you be given a nice big uh, piece of workload and that back to my point of why i you know why i would want to 
kind of working house that that really appealed to me uh, particularly as a kind of trainee and a paralegal because i had a little bit of control over over what i was doing um and and also you have a, a little bit more responsibility at a junior level when you get exposed to a lot more things um and that that really kind of helped and, and really progresses you very quickly because you're asked to you know deal with things that maybe otherwise you wouldn't because they would have been passed to another paralegal or another trainee for example so tom if you kind of had to summarize what would you say some of seven years in what would you say are some of the main benefits of working in-house this is your chance to really really sell it to the listeners because it's a route that's definitely lesser known but after the presentation that you gave at birmingham i thought why the hell do more people not know about this well, you, you want me to say about the car, don't you? That's that's what you want me to say. So <laughs> as I, as, <laughs> uh, yeah, so really as I, uh, as, as JLR make cars, then there, there are, you, you benefit from the employee benefits uh, that any employee would essentially. So generally speaking, what I always say to people is, you know, if you are looking for an in-house company, they operate in a different way to private practice and they will offer certain employee benefits that wouldn't be available to you. So, you know, explore those and, do make sure that you work for a company that makes something awesome that you can benefit from. You know, <laughs> don't go and work for a yo-yo manufacturer if you're not really into yo-yos. So, yeah, really do do your research before you, you jump in anywhere. Um, you know, so let's think some kind of travel companies probably got some benefits. I think I'd settle on in-house for Apple. I think I could do that. That would Apple, work well for me. Apple, Google. Oh, the possibilities are limitless. I'll let, I'll let you ponder that and you can do your research tonight and come back to me. I'd like to thank Tom once again for coming on to this episode of Virtually Legal. Firstly, although this route is lesser known, it does also hold just as many benefits. Think about the alternative options outside the mainstream private practice route. Secondly, in-house is even more commercially focused as you only have one client and you should know their situation inside out. Commercially take your advice. Remember, legal advice sometimes isn't the correct practical advice for your client or in this case, for your company. Don't ask, don't get. As Molly rightfully demonstrated, do not be afraid to ask for help. Good things can come from them. Because companies, unlike firms, do not have recruitment rounds, you are more than often or more often than not, have to seek out the opportunities for yourself. So get networking. Good luck.